free market universal basic income. Why robots, trillionaires, and housewives can save us from a porn-powered dystopia that idiots will vote for. Hey, this is Jonathan with Marketplace Gold, and this is a podcast presentation of a deep dive investigation article I did on universal basic income. You're going to want to check out the article that's going to be linked below wherever you are listening to this. And universal basic income, UBI. This is a topic that you're going to keep hearing more and more about. Friends, family, acquaintances, random people on Facebook, you're going to hear them talking about it. And in 2020, Americans and people in a lot of other countries, we received stimulus payments from the government, which was kind of nice, right? It felt good. It was, I, I had that money hit my bank account and I said, wow, this is a lot of money that I didn't have to do anything for. I can see why some people, you know, join this cult of statism because it's it's nice to get money for nothing. And as the uh, world is coping with COVID-19, there's going to be a lot of people saying, this is what's going to save us all. This is progress. And you're going to want to send this article to them as I break down the facts on this and I think make some pretty cogent arguments that I don't think are over anybody's head. So let's dive in now. I live in the bustling center of a European capital city. It's wintertime and there's constantly ice and snow on the sidewalk. It's quite an inconvenience. Every time I shuffle along the slippery sidewalks, I have the same thought. Why the hell doesn't the government give the refugees who are cared for at the taxpayer's expense shovels and have them clear the sidewalks? The refugees are able-bodied guys just sitting around bored in their centers where they keep them. It would engender goodwill towards the refugees because everybody would see them being helpful. The refugees could probably use the exercise and it would make life a whole lot easier for the people slipping and sliding on the pavement. It's such a bloody obvious solution to a couple of different problems. Yet, the government doesn't organize it. Now, don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying that the government should enslave refugees to do manual labor, but I bet if they just asked them nicely, some of them would be happy to pick up a snow shovel and make life a little less slippery for the European taxpayers providing for them. It would not require any great organization planning or 
management just a couple dozen shovels and a bus to bring the guys downtown. This is a quintessential example of the government's profound incompetence and wastefulness when it comes to managing resources. So just think about that next time it's slippery out, next time you're trudging through snow. Just remember that example when anybody suggests that the government should be in charge of managing resources. Which brings us to statism. If the government can't even do something as obvious as having the refugees shovel the snow or asking them to, it really is a tremendous Indiana Jones stepping out into the abyss. If you remember that scene from that classic movie, leap of faith to think that the government could effectively and honestly redistribute resources to solve the tremendous challenge of technological unemployment. This great undeserved faith that people put in the government is what we call statism. Karl Marx said that religion was the opium of the foolish masses, but really Marxism is the opium of foolish intellectuals. So this brings us to a discussion of what I call free market universal basic income. Universal basic income might work if it's truly voluntary, delivered by the free market and administered by benevolent artificial intelligence. If not, it will surely become communism 3.0 and will result in a metaphorical and likely literal mountain of smoldering bodies. For example, in 20 or 30 years, the trillionaire shareholders of Amazon.com decide to offer free 3D printed modular apartment housing. The cost of manufacturing and distributing the component parts of 3D apartments gets so low that the fabulously wealthy shareholders of Amazon decide altruistically to give free housing to anyone who wants it. Imagine numerous Fortune 50 firms doing this, and a universal basic living standard could be provided for free to the public in the same way that Google Maps is free. And in my article, I put universal basic income in parentheses because we all know that nobody really wants universal basic income. Ask a true believer Bernie bro, a purple-haired SJW, a liberal tenured college professor, or a hammer and sickle tattooed communist if they really think that the government should cut a thousand dollar monthly check to Ivanka Trump, Lloyd Blankfein, or Kanye West, and you'll probably get a bit of a 
angry eye twitch. And they'll admit that what they really want is basic income to help poor and middle class people to avert society descending into utter chaos in the age of technological unemployment, I find it highly likely that out of pure self-interest, uh, billionaires and CEOs of major multinational corporations will sacrifice their own bottom line to provide free products and services so we can maintain a baseline standard of universal basic dignity across the population. That was a phrase that I like a whole lot more. Maybe you can use it next time you get in a, some sort of a social debate about this sort of thing. Universal basic dignity. That's, I think, a bit more important. Let's discuss the cost of UBI. It is 3.8 trillion. The popular conception of universal basic income requires that the government comes up with at least, and I have it written out, the number 3.8 trillion. It does contain nine zeros. That's how large of a number it is. The government has to come up with that yearly to distribute to everyone. And keep in mind that the U.S. government currently has just $48 billion in cash reserves on hand. Just $48 billion in cash. That's about enough for four days of universal basic income. To put that in perspective, Apple has about double the cash reserves of the U.S. government. So let's say that we raided Apple, really shook them down and cleaned out their pockets. We would be lucky to get 10 days of universal basic income out of that. So if you can do just a little bit of math, the mathematical impossibility of universal basic income should be smacking you in the face right about now. Is it perhaps a much better idea to allow the efficient and innovative free market to provide a universal standard of human dignity? Perhaps you're a UBI proponent and maybe you're thinking, I just don't trust rich people that much. So I'll bring your attention to the altruism of the ultra-rich. Consider the altruism of some of the wealthiest people in the world. Bill Gates has given away over $30 billion of his wealth. He plans to eventually give away up to 95% of his wealth although I'd be a bit suspicious of that given the events of the last year or so. Warren Buffett, who lives on a $100,000 a year salary, gave $2.8 billion to charity in 2016 and has committed to giving away 99% of his wealth upon his death. You, you can't take it with you 
right? So leave leave some for your uh, for your progeny, and you know, give it give it away. Mark Zuckerberg has also committed to giving away almost all of his wealth and put his money where his mouth was in 2016 by donating $3 billion towards the ambitious mission of curing all disease. Although I'd be suspicious of all three of those characters. On the giving pledge, you can find many more billionaires and very wealthy people who have also committed to giving away the majority of their wealth for the good of humanity. And I am a bit uh, cynical on that. I am a bit suspicious of that. But uh, at least some of them are, are genuine, I would say. A cynic might say, well, these rich people are just doing all this charitable giving for tax purposes and to promote their own celebrity. Besides, does charitable giving even work? Western countries have given trillions in foreign aid to the third world, and the third world just seems to be getting worse. Wealthy people at this level often paid the taxes when they made the money. These guys are giving away their post-tax wealth. And yes, it does further their celebrity to be charitable at this scale, but it's still billions of dollars that are being used to fix some of humanity's worst problems, raising the universal living standard for all of us. Instead of sitting in a fund or a sophisticated Wall Street investment vehicle, do you think, this is an important question that a lot of my argument hinges on here, do you think that perhaps these often ingenious business people will be better at meaningfully giving away their money than the apathetic government bureaucrats are at giving away taxpayers' money, or not even taxpayers' money, but just money that is printed. There's a clear correlation between intelligence and altruism and compassion towards the less fortunate in society. Some Dutch social scientists hypothesized, quote, the cost incurred by engaging in unconditional altruism is lower for highly intelligent people than for less intelligent people because they may expect to regain the drained resources. As a result, unconditional altruism can serve as an honest signal of intelligence. So with these kinds of people so insistent upon giving away their wealth to the less fortunate, do we really need a coercive government redistribution scheme to provide basic income? I think not. Free market charity outperforms government welfare programs by a long shot. According to data from health and welfare studies at the Cato Institute. Get this, only 30% of the funds that go into government entitled progr entitlement programs 
end up in the hands of the needy or paying for their services. Only 30%. The rest is eaten up by bureaucrats, salaries, fancy offices, along with uh, the requisite waste, fraud, and abuse. Compare that to private charities who contribute 82% of all funds raised to the needy, and the rest goes to the, uh, the fundraising efforts, the administration. Some of those charities have pretty fancy offices. Let's move forward to discuss Communism 3.0. If universal basic income were implemented tomorrow or anytime soon, with governments at all resembling the corrupt and really criminal institutions that they are now, is going to result in another monolithic, disastrous social experiment like the USSR, Germany under National Socialism, North Korea, China under Mao, Romania under Ceausescu, Venezuela, Greece, Cambodia under Pol Pot's Khmer Rouge, or South Africa, a country that doesn't get uh, the attention it deserves in these debates about social justice. This once rich country started implementing all the policies that social justice warriors advocate over 20 years ago. So it's kind of a good sign of how these policies work out. And currently, South Africa is a ridiculous disaster. It's well on its way to being the next Zimbabwe. Socialists, communists, Democrats, Bernie bros, and other varieties of witting and unwitting Marxists will, of course, say, yeah, but what about Canada and various rich European countries that have strong socialist policies? They seem to be doing pretty okay, man. So these countries are running on fumes, fiat, currency, money printing, and quantitative easing. These countries are in a profound way cheating by not paying for anything out of money actually raised by the productive economy, but instead by enslaving their children with debt. If your roommate insisted on paying their share of rent with monopoly money, how long would it be before you kick them out? These countries will be embroiled in chaos and petty violence in the event of an economic downturn or geopolitical disruption because so much of their population depend on government handouts. Look at Paris, France with the uh, yellow vest riots that have been happening there. These countries have massive unfunded entitlement programs. Baby boomers' significant health needs will pound the last nail in the coffin of their socialized healthcare institutions. These rich European socialist countries 
have great facades, but like ancient European architecture, which is beautiful from afar, their foundations are cracking and crumbling. In the next five to 10 years, we'll see these countries becoming the next Greece. Also, population replacement rates have fallen below two children per women thanks to high taxation, lack of opportunity, and toxic feminism. I've traveled the world for about nine years now, and I consistently have met smart, entrepreneurial, young Canadians, Swedes, and Germans in places like Medellin, Colombia, and Kiev, Ukraine, who are fleeing the asphyxiating taxation and regulation of these countries. Social commentary aside, let's discuss protectionism. I think this could be a solution to technological unemployment. Perhaps what the government could do is restrict robots and AI from taking over various industries and domains of human endeavor, like creative work. I see no problem with banning AI and robots from writing novels, making movies, or video games. Design. We could leave humans in charge of designing the aesthetics of buildings, fashion, products, user interfaces, etc. Cooking and hospitality. Do we really want robot waiters and robot cooks? I don't think so. I'd always be willing to pay a premium for a dining experience. The caring economy. Massage therapists, uh, talk therapists, life coaches, etc. We don't need robots doing that stuff. The education economy. As the formal university system goes away, we'll see great growth in the long tail of the education economy. I don't see AI replacing online professors, gurus, language teachers, coaches, or talk show hosts. And finally, the artistic and leisure economy could grow to employ a significant proportion of our population. It's foolish to say that robots and AI are going to take all our jobs. Truck drivers, factory workers, and programmers, yes, you guys are on the chopping block. But there's a lot of other jobs out there that will be in demand no matter how advanced technology gets. Let's move on to talk about porn and video games. UBI proponents will say that if people don't need to work for wages at a job anymore, they can spend their time starting a small business, working in their community, exercising, doing a personal development project, or writing a book. And that's just not very realistic. Humans consistently respond to incentives. If all the incentives are to not work, you'll really see the death of human 
dignity as much of the population just stops working on anything. Mark Kinchelow says that if everyone just gets UBI from the government, some people who would take the small check would go and start a business, engage in other productive forms of self-employment, or work part-time, depending on their situation. There would also be far too many people who would simply take the government handout and sit in front of a TV all day or go fishing. Going fishing sounds a, sounds a whole lot better than how I imagine most people would spend their time. I think Mark is optimistic to even think that people would leave the house to go fishing. Though, without an incentive to work, at least half the population will go on a nonstop diet of porn and just imagine what VR porn will be like in 10, 15, 20 years. Weed, video games, and funny YouTube videos. So let's talk about risk. In a fantasy world of perfect platonic forms, I can see the appeal of universal basic income. But in reality, it's a very dangerous idea. I would not be surprised if the political struggle that will ensue over universal basic income, I would not be surprised if it engulfs our society in violence and tribal warfare. Why is UBI so risky? First of all, contrary to what you might hear someone like Andrew Yang saying, it will be very political. While the proponents of UBI aspire to these high-minded ideals of equality and justice, our political system and mainstream media will turn it into a divisive pissing match. You can just think of Trump versus Clinton in 2016 or Obama versus the Tea Party in 2013. Currently, UBI is mostly in the purview of intellectuals, people more interested in economics and philosophy than they are in football or celebrity gossip. One of the big mistakes that people make is assuming that everyone is as intelligent as them. I'll say that again because it's kind of important. One of the big mistakes that people make is assuming that everyone is as intelligent as them. The world looks very different to a person with an IQ of 90 than it does to a person with an IQ of 105. As George Carlin said, think of how stupid the average person is and realize that half of them are stupider than that. So despite the simple mathematical impossibility, despite the simple immorality of stealing that UBI entails, despite the bad incentives it creates, despite the bloody history of government redistributionist schemes, 
the less intelligent half of the electorate, maybe more than half, will vote for UBI. They'll like and retweet for UBI. They'll protest and march for UBI. They'll riot for UBI. They'll steal and kill for UBI. They'll do whatever it takes to get the free money they deserve from greedy rich people. UBI will divide us further down racial and tribal lines. In practice, UBI will amount to the government taking a lot of money away from white men and giving it to people who racially and ideologically could not be more dissimilar and often don't even speak the same language. In 2016, Trump and Brexit showed that white middle-class people in the United States and UK are very resentful of the government redistributing their tax dollars to people who are culturally alien to them. UBI will be like dropping a nuke on the geopolitical battleground of the race wars, which we now see burning in major cities in diverse Western countries. If the government announces another giant program to redistribute wealth and resources, white guys will reach for their AR-15s. UBI proponents will say, but conservatives should like UBI because it will replace the welfare system. You hear this one a lot. Welfare is an entrenched bureaucratic part of the government. The thousands of government employees who administrate the vast welfare system and the 100,000 plus million Americans who depend upon welfare are not simply going to go away. No, they will strike, protest, and riot in the streets while Politicians and legislators argue for years on end about which welfare programs to cut and which to keep. Ultimately, UBI is welfare. Actually, it's a historically unprecedented expansion of the welfare system. Instead of just the people who ask for welfare getting welfare, now everyone gets welfare. All the problems with welfare will be multiplied exponentially. UBI is a wet dream for unfireable big government bureaucrats and leftist politicians who secretly hate the free market. UBI is just the type of big government program that brings out the worst of politicians. UBI is just a fancy phrase for the guys with the guns stealing money from the people with the money to give free stuff to poor people so they will vote for them. So it's not unfair to call UBI Communism 3.0 because everyone should remember from 
the grade school civics classes that communism is a step beyond socialism, a further centralization and expansion of a government that tries to take care of everyone. Welfare is socialism. UBI is welfare on steroids, which requires expansion of government power. So UBI would be communism 3.0. The second iteration of communism was the various democratic socialist states that were implemented around the second half of the 20th century, many of which are now devolving into true totalitarianism. And I wrote that about three years ago. And if you look at the the stark state of uh, tyranny that we have now under COVID, it's, it's hard to argue that in many countries we're under we're under uh, uh, tyranny, we're under control of the population that is, that is greater than what prisoners in jail deal with. So I think that was, uh, I don't think that was a hyperbolic prediction I made there. Next, let's talk about mimonomics. I lived in Colombia for several years, and in Colombia, there are many mimes. Walk through any busy part of town, and you can see mimes performing on the street for people, or jugglers juggling for pesos at busy traffic intersections. It's kind of amusing. And this is because the cost of living is so low in Colombia that you can actually make a living from being a juggler or mime. As technology and AI makes our economy much, much more efficient, we'll see the cost of living decrease sharply to where a waiter or a painter selling their art over the internet can afford the kind of life that an accountant does now. But only if the government gets the hell out of the way and stops printing so much money, which I'm not optimistic about. Let's address dystopia-nomics. There are only two ways the government would implement universal basic income. First is taxation. Second is money printing. Doing either of these at the scale necessary to have universal basic income will be disastrous. First of all, taxation. To provide a basic income to every citizen, the government will have to raise taxes drastically on the 1%, big business, Wall Street, Main Street, and the middle class. Businesses large and small will respond by raising their prices drastically. The cost of living will rise correspondingly. Even if we tax the robot's labor, as Bill Gates recently suggested, the owners of those robots will just increase the prices of what the robots produce. So the cost of the increased taxes goes, it trickles down to even 
the poor people, and it trickles down to the middle class people. The very rich people, the 1% people, will be the ones who can afford the $900 an hour attorney to uh, set up a flow-through corporation in the Caymans or Panama or the City of London, and they'll end up avoiding a lot of that taxation. Secondly, money printing. The other way the government could finance it is just by issuing trillions of new dollars into existence and distributing them to everyone, kind of like what we see happening now in response to COVID. But this will devalue all the other dollars in existence, causing massive inflation, putting the economy into a death spiral. The price of goods and the corresponding cost of living will rise. Then the government will, per, will introduce price and wage controls, along with reams and reams of regulations, and will have a true nightmare scenario right out of a dystopian science fiction movie. It will include massive technological unemployment, stagnant wages, high cost of living, lack of opportunity, corrupt government bureaucrats giving monopolies to their friends, an entitled and angry underclass with no incentive to work, living on welfare, an entrenched class of elite oligarchs who own everything, and a giant authoritarian government telling you what to do, say, and think at all times via a technological surveillance superstate that monitors you through your smartphone. And that's why I said at the onset of this article, all of that, that dystopian scenario will inevitably result in a metaphorical and likely literal mountain of smoldering bodies. It's really a, a nasty potential. So let's talk about a solution, traditionalism. That's right. UBI proponents are working under the assumption that society will utterly fall apart if all able-bodied adults are not fully employed. If we look back into our not-so-distant past, society got along quite well with a much smaller proportion of the population working and providing for the rest of society. And that smaller proportion that supported everybody else was men. Work was primarily the domain of adult men. The home was the woman's domain. Young adults volunteered in the community, apprenticed, studied, and helped family. The elderly would retire at a comfortable age and be taken care of by their family, church, or community. And I'm not saying that women and the elderly should be barred from having professional careers, but if there's a renaissance of traditional values and we realize as a society that it's a great folly to throw the nuclear family into the waste bin of history, the workforce would shrink appreciably. 
If society encouraged women to pursue their biological roles as opposed to demanding that they live and work just like men, the supply of labor would be cut nearly in half, driving up the demand and wages accordingly. Most modern-day families require a dual income to live comfortably, but in the age of honey, I shrunk the cost of living, it will again be possible for a man's income to provide comfortably for his entire family. In conclusion, my ultimate message to UBI proponents is don't rush it. This requires long-term thinking, which I know is a lot to ask for because humans in general are really bad at long-term thinking. If you allow the free market to work, you'll see that everyone is provided for by a combination of a drastically more efficient economy empowered by the infinite intelligence derived from general artificial intelligence. Secondly, the altruism of billionaires, maybe one day trillionaires, multiplied exponentially by brilliant advances in technology, and a truly compassionate culture because of a renaissance of traditionalism, religion, and a pushback against nihilistic, hedonistic consumerism. If you rush it, you'll see UBI become the most ugly, politicized, racial issue. There will be blood in the streets. There's already a troubling alliance between UBI proponents and leftist politicians. If you shrilly demand UBI from your politicians, you'll get it perhaps a decade or two earlier, but believe me, it'll be a deal with the devil. Politicians will grossly pervert UBI into a callous power grab to expand the government and restrict freedom. Politicians will send you a monthly check, but it will come at the high cost of self-determination and dignity. Again, I urge patience. If you listen to the talking heads on CNN, it may seem like the economy is about to go off a cliff and the sky is going to fall tomorrow due to technological unemployment. But the economy is quite resilient and the inventiveness of the human spirit consistently overcomes what the worriers think are truly insurmountable challenges. I'll read that again because it's an important line. The economy is quite resilient and the inventiveness of the human spirit consistently overcomes what the worriers think are truly insurmountable challenges. The popular definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. If you rely on the government to provide for your every need while giving it massive power to tax and redistribute resources, which is what 
UBI is, well, that's been tried too many times before in Russia, North Korea, Greece, Germany, Venezuela, Romania, and South Africa. We know from history that you're not going to get a socialist utopia out of that. You're going to get a metaphorical and likely literal, and I repeat myself for the third time here, mountain of smoldering bodies. And that's my takedown of UBI. I hope that you find it persuasive. I hope that you might share it around with people that think this is a good idea and maybe we can try to move a bit more people towards sanity. But I have to admit that seeing how the world has progressed or more accurately regressed in the past couple of years, I think that the UBI is going to happen. And that's why I just urge everybody to buy crypto, buy gold. These things are going to serve as a hedge against the uh, economic insanity and then the actual insanity that's going to ensue. So I do look forward to your thoughts on this. I published this article on Medium and it stimulated some debate there on the topic. I still haven't had any UBI proponent come along and address uh, address really any of the points thoroughly or address the totality of the objections that I bring up here, but I could have my mind changed if someone actually came along and demonstrated that they were thinking holistically about this topic and thought that it was a good idea. I'd be willing to change my mind and accept the free money if it seemed like there was any way that it wasn't going to end up being a ridiculous, mammoth, uh, tremendous historical mistake. I'm Jonathan with MarketplaceGold.com. Looking forward to a continued conversation with you.